Wake up, West Georgia. It's time for the podcast powered by coffee and Mountain Dew. The Morning Five with Bryce Sparling and Billy Lindahl. Good morning, West Georgia. Welcome into the Morning Five podcast. Today is Thursday, June 15th. We have something special planned for you. But as always, it is brought to you by the Perian Lawyers. Nobody wakes up thinking, man, I hope I hire a lawyer today. But hey... Life happens. Don't call one of those big law firms with overused slogans and thousands of billboards. We have a top-notch law firm right here in West Georgia. The Perrion Lawyers with offices in Carrollton and Bremen. Personal injury, workman's comp, and everything in between. Find them at callcadenow.com. That's C-A-L-L-C-A-D-E-N-O-W.com. Local lawyers, catchy slogans, a few billboards, big results. We are 49 days away from the NFL, 50 days away from high school football, and 72 days away from our guests' favorite college football team, the Bulldogs, defending back-to-back national championships. Coach Nick White, thanks for joining us so early in the morning here on Thursday. I'm not rocking ready to go at 6 a.m. just like that. So, But, yeah, happy to be here, amped about the dogs. You know, 2024 schedule was released uh, yesterday evening. Holy cow. I know it's not on the list, but wow. Uh, Georgia has got a road to travel in 2024. Well, they better because the road to travel this year is just absolute garbage. Let's be real. No doubt. No doubt. But just for those of you that don't know, they did have a game scheduled with Oklahoma this year that the SEC forced us to break. So Georgia, part of Georgia's out-of-conference schedule this year was Oklahoma was going to be on it, but... Obviously, with them joining the league, the SEC could put the kibosh on that. So that absolutely made Georgia's schedule uh, pretty doggone easy this year. Ohio State ran into that a couple years ago. We had a we had a home and home set with um, Georgia and with Oklahoma actually, and the yep, big yep. T- the Big Ten made some deal with the Big Twelve where we had to play them at a conference, and they it's told us twelve. It was Pac twelve, excuse me, yeah. Um, and and they told us we couldn't play Oklahoma and Georgia. And I was I was so looking forward to that Georgia game, like. I would have loved to see Ohio State and Georgia play up in Athens. Like that—that's like that—that's like a bucket list thing for me. That'd have been amazing. Well, so me too. Like I had plans on robbing and doing whatever needed to be necessary to go watch a game in the shoe, but now I don't have to. So uh, <laughs> somebody somewhere is safe. 2031, This is going to happen. It's going to be in Athens in twenty thirty, uh, and it's going to be in Columbus twenty thirty one. We'll see. That's a long ways off. That's a long <laughs> way. I'm already, planning, I'm already planning on getting you know Gavin and and your boys up to the shoe, Price. I mean that's that's my plan. Oh yeah. Well, we're going. This year, we're going up to Ohio State, Michigan. I think this year. So, Gavin, Gavin will be 16, I think, when that happens. That's, so that means Brax will be 18. I don't know, man. I don't. It's too early for math, dude. Come on. I have all my <laughs> math written down on the sheet here, so I don't have to do it. Uh, Billy, a day, a day, a day that I know you're going to be super into. I know you're a big prune guy. Today is National Prune Day. Got to stay nope, regular. Nope. Got to stay regular, man. Nope. No, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think I, I don't have that issue. <laughs> uh, t- today is also World Tapas Day. Billy, are you a fan of tapas? Coach White, fan of tapas? Uh, I, I probably, I cannot confirm or deny. How about that? Yeah, I don't think I've ever had tapas, to be honest. So I don't know if I have, like, I could uh, say yes. I can, I can guarantee you both of you would be fans of tapas. It's it's just they're like little finger appetizer foods from Spain. Um, they're really, really good. You got to order a bunch of them to get full. 
but there's a uh, there's a tapas restaurant in Sandy Springs, I think. Um, it's called Red Sky. It's like dueling pianos, tapas bar thing. It's a pretty cool little place. Um, and tapas food is amazing. The only downside is you have to order a ton of it because it is like small finger food appetizer type deal. It's supposed to be shared with the entire table. Good food, just not enough of it. And takes a lot for uh, for me to get full. Billy, the Braves had a phenomenal day yesterday, beating the Tigers 6-5 to and 10-7 to in a true doubleheader. Braves win 10-7 to in game one. Michael Harris Jr., or second, my goodness, have an absolute game. Four RBIs, including a solo shot in the seventh, went four for four. He's really started to raise his average here in the month of June. I mean, he is he has done nothing but produce. I believe he's batting close to 300 in the month of June. He, he's playing really, really well and raising that average up after starting the season off in a bit of a bit of a slump, bit of a hole. Acuna, three RBIs with a two-run absolute moonshot in the third inning. Arcia adds in two RBIs. Pilar adds in another RBI. Spencer Strider, man, we talked about this yesterday. Really wanted him to come out and dominate. He didn't really do that. Struggled early on. Five innings pitched, four earned runs, three home runs. Struck out six. But something's up with Strider, man. The velo's down. The location's not as sharp as it was early on in the season. I don't really know what's going on with Spencer right now. So let's let's hit on Harris real quick. First of all, he's he's hitting over 200 now, which is on the spectacular season. Yeah, because literally about three weeks ago it was 178. You know, so that's that's huge to raise your average up that quickly. Uh, number two, yes, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Strider. Strider, so it, it's like he's throwing BP right now. Um, the, it seems like the last three outings, he, he gave up five runs in this outing. He gave up, what, seven rounds in the last one, Bryce? Oh, man. Uh, a and lot. I think it was eight. Um, he gave up in the last outing. So he's given up five runs against Detroit, obviously, yesterday, eight against the Mets, uh, yeah. and then two against Arizona. Yeah. And coach, you know this as well as anybody, especially watching the Braves as much as you do, because I know you're you're glued to the TV. Um, it's it's hard to come back from th- from giving up that many runs. There's no doubt. You know it is, but one thing, if, if you're, if I'm going to find a positive here. He's still seven and two on the year. He still gets the win yesterday because even though he played poorly, it is a team game. He gets the win, so the guys were hitting the ball well for him yesterday, and so there is a little bit of psychological positivity from that to know that I didn't, I didn't have my best stuff. Yet I'm able to go out there, do enough on the mound. We still get the win as a team, but I, you know, I get a, I got a win in the check column. He's seven and two on the year, you know. So as poor as he's been the last couple outings, if there's a positive, it's hey, you know, I, I got a win yesterday, but yeah. It's uh, it, it's tough to uh, to go out there and have a bad day and, and shake off some stuff. And I mean, really, you know, we, we saw we I don't want to say this is what's happening, but, you know, this is it's really year two. Right. And a lot of pitchers do get dinged up a little bit year two because people are starting to figure out, uh, you know, their combinations, so to speak, as far as, uh, you know, what they throw in a specific count and this, that and the other. So he's probably going to get touched up a little bit more. But. As long as the guys keep rallying with him, I, I think he could end this season on a positive note as opposed to like a sophomore slump type year. And and you talk about going out there and getting the win, the seventh win of the season. He's still in the top five in the NL in wins with seven. He's leading the majors in Ks, and he's in the top ten in the majors in whip right now. So 
you don't want to see this trend continue. It's sort of what Billy and I talked about yesterday is you, you've got to see, I don't want to say a get-right game from Strider because it's not like he's pitching horrendously, but he's not pitching great. He's not pitching like the Spencer Strider right. we know and love. So <clears throat> there are positives to take away. Right. It's it's just, you know, we're, we expect Spencer Strider to go out there and remain with a 1.8 ERA and dominate the Cy Young, which is, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just not feasible. You're, you're playing against other athletes that are other multi-million dollar, you know, physical specimens out there that are also trying to hone their craft. So... I think poss- possibly it might not be a problem with Spencer Strider. It might be a problem with our expectations of, of what we want him to do. We want him to go out there and be Maddox, be Smoltz, be Glavin. And, you know, it's only the second year. The kid's still young. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, one of the concerning things yesterday, Billy, was Jesse Chavez took a comebacker right Dude. off the shin. One bouncer, man. That was um that was nasty and scary. Yeah. It, and we were watching, you know, uh, I had heard about it uh, earlier on the day, considering this happened while I was at work. And then when I get home, my, my stepmother was watching the news and she looked and she saw it. She goes, oh, my God, is he OK? I said, and they're carrying him off the field. I'm like, no, no, he's not OK. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't that's not OK. He did, that, he's hurting. Um, yeah, I mean. Have you gotten an update from that? Um, like, have, the only thing I've seen is the x-rays were negative. Uh, he's going to get further testing today. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. Charlie Morton pitched in the World Series with a broken tibula. You know, he broke his tibula, tore his fibula, uh, all the other bullas that in, that were in his leg. I'm pretty sure he broke that, too. Struck out a couple batters. Jesse Chavez, you know, just takes a little comebacker off the shin. Nothing's broken. Can't pitch. Oh, man, I, I got I to question his toughness. <laughs> Charlie Morton came in here and struck out guys with a whole busted leg. I think his leg was falling off, actually. Uh, and, you know, Jesse Chavez. Yeah, but no, well, uh, to be fair, it's it's June and not the World Series right now. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, in game two, Braves once again won 6-5. to five. Arcia with two RBIs. Acuna, Riley, Rosario, and Albies all with RBIs as well. Dylan Dodd went four innings pitched. Not a great outing. Five earned runs, three home runs, two Ks. But Colin McHugh came in from the bullpen and absolutely shut down the Tigers. Pitched three crucial innings in the middle of the game, gave up zero hits, and struck out four. That's great to see out of our pin in a in a nice doubleheader win on a uh, Wednesday afternoon up in Detroit. Yeah, we definitely needed it. Uh, the Marlins, I think, actually fell back to what four and a half, five. They are five, five games. Five games back in the last whole game. Um, I know that uh, the Mets law or the Mets won Mets last won. night yeah. against the Yankees, so um, that doesn't do anything for us there. But you know, it doesn't matter because the Mets are so Mets are a poverty franchise, so they can, they can suck it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, it's it's good to see uh, Braves start a four game series with uh, the Rockies starting tonight. So that'll be fun. What time is uh? What time is that game tonight? <clears throat> They, I've, uh, I've noticed the NL East has some weird start times the past couple of days, like 640. Uh, 7.20 for us. Okay, so normal That's, time. We're back home. Sweet. Oh, 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 sweet. All right, we're back home. Back four yeah. games set against the Rockies. 720, 724, 10, So normal start times. And uh, Smith Shaver is pitching tonight, so that'll be that'll be fun to watch. That yeah, Dylan Dodd got the spot start yesterday. Um, he was the 27th man in the doubleheader, so... They decided to pitch him and then start Smith Shaver back at home. And I believe they said they can send Dylan Dodd back down because he's the 27th man in a doubleheader yep. and it not count as one of his goofy baseball roster rules. I still don't understand why baseball does that. It's so uh, it's so weird. 
Uh, speaking of the MLB, the MLB All-Star Game is coming up in just a few short weeks, Billy, and we have some updated All-Star votings for our Braves. Uh, right now, catcher Sean Murphy leads everybody in the NL. He is number one first base. Matt Olson is sitting in third behind Pete Alonzo and Freddie Freeman. At third base, Austin Riley sits at number two. Uh, at second base, Ozzie Albies sits at number two. Ozzie Albies should not, and I'll repeat this, I'm a huge Braves fan. I'm a huge Ozzie Albies fan. Ozzie Albies should not be the starting second baseman for the NL All-Star team. It should be that young man Agreed. down in Miami. Um, yes. Kid is, kid is hitting. Oh, yes, Luis Arise. Kid is hitting hitting over 400 right now on the season. And and despite, you know, uh, barring an injury, which I do not hope happens to this young kid, I'd love to see him continue this season and possibly go for a 400 batting average all season. That would be awesome. I do not want to see Ozzy starting at second base for the Braves. Probably the only time all season you hear me say, I do not want a Brave to win something. I want that young man to be the starting second baseman because he deserves it. Uh, at shortstop, we have number one, Orlando Arcia, the number one vote-getter at shortstop. Uh, I'll be the first to raise my hand, Billy, and say I was completely wrong about having Orlando Arcia at starting shortstop over Dansby Swanson this year. You're not the only one, yeah. dude. Uh, he, is, he has played his tail off. He's batting over 300 right now on the season. He's playing great defense, like absolutely great defense. Um, I think he's only got three errors all season long um so far and he's he's just been steady up the middle and that's all you you need from this pitching staff is just just make the normal plays don't need you to make this spectacular plays you know those will come but just just make the normal plays and he has yeah and to uh looking over at dansby swanson swanson's hitting 265 on the year with six home runs 29 rbis and a 756 ops so I, uh, yeah, not not great for Dansby. Not not a great start of the season. Um, designated hitter Travis Darno is in third right now, and then in the outfield, Ronald Acuna Jr. is the number one vote getter overall. He is the number one vote getter in all of Major League Baseball. All of Major League Baseball. He is number one in the outfield. Michael Harris, the second, is in seventh, and Marcelo Zuna, who has been hitting lights out and has been on fire the past couple of weeks, probably past couple of uh, past month. Uh, he's in sitting in an 11th right now. So, I mean, you are realistically looking at three, possibly four or five brave starters on that NL all-star game. So let's, let's hope it, it continues down that path because I, I need to see, did we have that, that bet earlier on in the year? Ooh, like the, the over uh, under for all-stars. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good shout. I'm not, I'm really not sure. I don't, I don't think we did. If, if Coach, are you surprised that we may have three starters right now, um, as far as the votes are, are concerned? Absolutely, absolutely not. I mean, uh, I think the most electrifying names right now in baseball is Ronald Acuna Jr., which is why he's the number one overall vote getter. So there's one is a lot. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised. Uh, you know, Albie's a streaky guy. Murphy, uh, obviously doing a great job. Harris uh, Jr., the only one that kind of shocks me that was mentioned was Ozuna. I figured the bet on him would be over under on a rest made uh, <laughs> this year, but uh, not making the All-Star game, so... Uh, that that's the only one that kind of shocks me. That may be mentioned, but otherwise, like I'm, I'm really not. The Braves have played great team baseball, and, and different guys have, have come through in, at different times, and that's the reason they have one of the best records in baseball right now. And coach, you you talk about not being yeah, you surprised. win, you get noticed. You you, you talk about uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. being one of the best players in baseball right now. Chipper Jones said something the other night on the broadcast. He said Ronald Acuna Jr. is the best 
all-around baseball player that has ever worn an Atlanta Braves jersey. And it, the most talented wow. is what he said. Yeah, the best the most overall. Talented Braves player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and that means a lot coming from someone who is arguably the greatest Brave of all time. Do you think? Do you think Ronald Acuna Jr. is the, the most talented Brave of all time? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, that's tough for me to answer because I think part of that has to be longevity, right? Uh, and I think longevity does constitute greatness. And unfortunately, some guys don't get to remain a Brave throughout their career or even for a long time. Uh, so I think there's a lot of names that you can throw out there, but I think his name is definitely uh, in the group. There's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, the only knock right now would be the amount of games he's been able to play due to health. Uh, but when he's healthy, I mean, you're seeing what what a healthy Ronald Acuna Jr. can do, and, and and it's hard to argue what he said, to be honest with you. Yeah, I guess longevity would be the one. It, we don't we don't know how how long Ronnie's career is going to be. Um, it it would it, honestly it would take it would take a lot for me to put Ronnie above Hank Aaron. I, I mean, it's it H- Hank is still, in my opinion, the greatest baseball player of all time. You know, not even not even talking about. Brave. Hank Aaron is the greatest baseball player of all time. When you add in his defense, the way he hit, the amount of games that he did, what he did in, um, yeah. it, it would still take a lot for me to put Ronnie above Hank. Uh, but yeah, I mean, longevity. If he ke- if he keeps doing what he's doing for the next ten years or twelve years or fifteen years, however long his career spans, yeah, yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be tough not to say Ronnie is the most talented Brave of all time. Very hard to argue, to be honest with you. Very hard to argue, but I'm, I'm with you. I, I, Hank Aaron's my guy, and there's a lot of other guys. I mean, I grew up watching those '90s Braves, and so there's a lot of, you know, obviously you you look at the pitching, and you can't you can't do that. But there's a lot of great Braves in my brain. But yeah, Cunha's Cunha's on the way, no doubt. All right, you mentioned the '90 Braves. I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here. Surprise, surprise, Bill. Oh. Um. So there's a new song out right now. Uh, from Morgan Wallen. I don't know if you've heard it, Coach, called 98 Braves. Um, yeah. Coach, and, and I don't know about you, but there's no Brave team uh, ever in existence since I was born that I remember watching and worshiping the Braves since about 94. Uh, there's no Brave team I want to forget more than the 1998 <laughs> Braves. I don't want to remember it in a song. I don't want to hear it played on the radio. That 1998 Braves team is probably the greatest Atlanta Braves team of all time. And I'll, I will argue that to my grave. That 98 team was an absolute wagon. Uh, getting beat yeah. in the World Series by the Yankees is a memory I never want to remember. I, I want to wipe that from my head. Why in the world, A, would someone write a song about that team? And B, why are people playing it nonstop on the radio? I don't want to remember that season. <laughs> It, it may surprise you to know that I have not heard this brand new song by <laughs> uh, this guy named Morgan Wallen. But no, that's not out of all the teams of the '90s. That's not the one that I would like to relive. I, I, I mean, I would even take the the first pennant with Sid Bream slide, uh, you know, over the '98 race. Uh, as, as far as songs I want to hear, but I mean, uh, that's, that's maybe the most underachieving baseball team uh, in, in the history of baseball, and, the, and they made it to the World Series. That was such. A... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Made it the World Series. I think we had, I think we had five pitchers under a four ERA or something like. It was it was nuts. That that team was insanely talented. But yeah, that's a yeah. That's one of those. I, I don't I don't ever want to remember that season. Uh, Billy, we got the NFL coming up. Like I said, we got forty nine days away from the Hall of Fame game kicking off, and we are going to wrap up the AFC East today with two teams that have been in the headlines all off season long. We're going to start off with the Bills. 
The, the Buffalo Bills have been an AFC contender in each of the previous four seasons, winning 47 games over that stretch. However, they've been un unable to climb the mountain that is the Kansas City Chiefs in the postseason. Nevertheless, the Buffalo Bills will look to rectify that with slight changes in offensive and defensive philosophy and personnel changes heading into 2023. Upgrading the interior offensive line appears to be a consistent theme throughout the offseason. Buffalo added four guards to the rosters from a season ago. Two of the interior blockers have extensive starting experience in Connor McGovern and David Edwards, while they used a second-round pick on a third, Osiris Torrance. Adding Puna Ford uh, on the defensive interior provides the Bills with a strong run-defending presence alongside Daquan Jones. Bringing back Jordan Poyer and adding Taylor Rapp offers a nice upgrade to the defensive backfield. Uh, teams are utilizing a three-safety look more often as teams continue to spread the field and run the ball, and Rapp provides a body-comfortable body playing in the box and in the slot if need be for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Bills rank fourth in the post-draft NFL power rankings with their seat atop the AFC East currently secured by one spot. The Jets and Dolphins each boast talented rosters one of which drastically improved their offense on paper, while the other drastically improved their defense on that side of the ball. The Bills not improving their run game in the offseason so far has me a bit concerned. They're still an elite team and have the potential to win a Super Bowl, but I have them finishing second in the AFC East behind the Dolphins at 11-6. and six. See, you, you just say that, and when you said so far, the first name that came to my mind was Dalvin Cook. Bingo! Like have Dalvin out there in, in Buffalo or even Zeke. I mean, I know Zeke is a shell of the man that he was, but God, can you imagine Dalvin Cook in that offense? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, Dalvin Cook or Zeke. I, I mean, Zeke in that offense, they're not going to ask Zeke to tote the rock 20, 30 times a game. It's going to be 10 to 12 times a game, pounded up the middle when they need a couple yards. So you know, Dalvin has a younger brother, right? Yes. And, and James uh, Cook is currently uh, the starting Jim. running back he, you know freshman rookie year last year for him yep he's a georgia bulldog yep i'm gonna say he's better than he probably is but he did show sign he's a guy that can take the ball to the house every time he touches it and he's a good threat out of the backfield so if you get a big guy in there that can kind of pound it in a little bit and you've got somebody that can uh, that can push the edges you know guys offense unfortunately is the name of the game the rules are constant it to be so uh but they've got plenty of weapons uh you know to, to score with the football i'm sure you guys are going to talk about this stefan Diggs situation coming up uh but i think offensively i think they're in good shape it's really defensively that they're going to have to make the adjustments and get better because when you even even though offense is the name of the game you got to stop the other team one more time than they stop you um one thing I thought was interesting, and I'll throw it uh, back to you guys, is the addition of Leonard Floyd. Yeah, it's not because he's a bulldog. It's because he's a successful pass rusher. And you still have Von Miller on the roster as well. So you have two much older aging guys in the pass rush game, but they've been very successful in production through the years. And so I think having two veteran pass rushers, uh, you know, when you get ready to play a team uh, like Kansas City, uh, may loom big for them this season to get over the hump. And you, you mentioned the Stefan Diggs story. You know, that came out yesterday with Josh Allen said saying that it's probably on me a little bit. We could have done more to bring him back into the fold. Um, he, you know, I, I know he's talked about 
possibly wanting a trade. He was back at minicamp yesterday with the Bills. I, I have to believe that before the season starts and before mandatory OTA start at the end of July, I think Stefan Diggs is going to be brought back into the fold. That, that's just too too talented of a person to leave out there and, and not do everything you can to bring him back to Buffalo. thousand percent. Yeah, and, and Stefan, he was, he was practicing yesterday. You saw, you know, a handshake with him and Josh Allen during during practice. So it, it seems like nothing has changed. Um, so hopefully they can get get that righted. Because, I mean, and I'm, I'm going to go out there and say this. The Falcons are my number one team. But watching the Bills from afar have always been just a – it's been – you hate it for them after losing four straight Super Bowls. And I'm, I was – anytime I get to see them win is, is a good thing. So I like it. And, and one of the cool things we saw at uh, <clears throat> minicamp yesterday as well, did you see who else was practicing out there, Billy? Uh, no. Mr. DeMar Hamlin. Yep. Out there. Pre- <laughs> Some, somebody somebody on Facebook said, DeMar Hamlin went through, you know, everything that he went through, came back, fighting through injury, and he's ready to play quicker than Michael Thomas has come back for an ouchy foot. <laughs> Uh, so we move on from the Bills to the Jets, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. The New York Jets were one of the most exciting teams in the NFL a season ago, despite having an absolute abysmal offense. That's all changed now, we think. After years of mediocrity and underachieving, the Jets appear to be, on paper, one of the AFC's top teams. We all waited with bated breath for the announcement of Rodgers' trade to New York. For a while, it seemed like that acquisition was going to drag on past the NFL draft and into the sleeper portion of the NFL offseason. <clears throat> they got it done. Rodgers is in New York. They added Alan Lazard. That was a solid move, independent of the Aaron Rodgers acquisition because the Jets want to have a strong rushing attack with Brees Hall still in the backfield. And Alan Lazard is one of, if not the best, blocking wide receivers in the NFL. He's a lot like, um, oh my goodness, Heinz Ward. You remember when Heinz Ward, he was... Oh. He was de facto the best blocking wide receiver in the NFL. Um, that's a lot like Alan Lazard. He brings a lot in the run game. Uh, the Jets fired Mike LaFleur and replaced him with Nathaniel Hackett, who likely joined Rodgers on the darkness retreat to try to forget the past 12 months of his life, uh, which coincidentally involved the team he attempted to coach striking out on the trade for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett has had a ton of success with Aaron Rodgers. The Jets' new quarterback won consecutive MVPs with Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator. The middle of the New York defense is a bit worrisome, though, but the rest of the defensive depth chart is sound and strong, especially with the addition of Chuck Clark, who might be the most reliable defensive player in the entire NFL. Uh, The Jets' success will likely rely on their offensive output. While their weapons look elite on paper, will that translate on the field? I think the Jets make the wild card, but finish third in the AFC East at 10-7. Wow. Okay. Um, I saw this yesterday, and I, I wanted to – I almost sent this to you considering we were doing the Jets. There was – and Coach, you'll appreciate this because I know how much of a competitor you are. They asked um, – and now I just forgot the kid's name. Who's the quarterback before Rodgers? Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. They asked Wilson, Zach Wilson. Yeah. Um, what are you going to do if they bring in, you know, you know, a, a veteran quarterback? And Zach Wilson said, I'm going to give him hell every single day of the year. <laughs> and uh, Rogers said in a press conference, he goes, uh, everything's been great. Zach's, Zach hasn't been giving me hell. 
Uh, and it's it's just it's funny to to hear that because I mean, you know, as as Rogers Rogers knows and Rogers sees stuff, and it's he's as goofy as he is, he's still he is one of the smartest quarterbacks out there, and he's he's so good. I can't wait to see him in in a Jets uniform. I, the only the only advice I have for Aaron Rodgers is probably don't bring your mom around the facility with Zach Wilson there. <laughs> Well, I think the most important thing that's happened is him showing up in a white tank top wife beater with Creed playing in the background. The voice uh, silence of one Scott staff. I think that was the best thing I'd seen as far as that's concerned. But when it comes to football, um, you know, I do like the fact they, don't, they do add McCole Hardeman uh, as well in the offseason, gives some speed on the outside. Uh, and then ha- being reunited with Randall Cobb, having some familiarity there offensively. I think they're, they're not going to be any worse than they were a year ago for sure. But again, it, it goes back to can the defense play against some of these teams like a, like a, like the Buffalo Bills? Are, are they going to be able to get stops there? And, you know, Aaron Rodgers can't play defense, right? It wouldn't look good if he did. So um, there, there are obviously questions there. Um, I, I, Ten wins, I think, is is probably it's, it might even be a little high, but it's probably about right. Uh, it's probably a good ceiling for the Jets right here. But I do like them. I mean, they're trying to win. You're bringing in Aaron Rodgers. You're bringing in other talent to put around them. So they're 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 looking to win football games as a franchise, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and this and the offensive the offensive side of the ball is just stacked. I mean, you got Rodgers at quarterback, Brees Hall at running back, Garrett Wilson, Alan Lazard, McCole Hardeman, mm-hmm. uh, Corey Davis, mm-hmm. Randall Cobb, Denzel Mims, all at wide receiver. You got Tyler Conklin and C.J. Uzama at tight end. I mean. They're not gonna. They're not gonna struggle scoring points. But yeah, like you said, stopping people—that's a whole different story. All right, let's head to the Marine South scoreboard. Last night in the NL East, the Yankees fall to the Mets four to three. The Gnats fall to the Astros five to four. Marlins beat the Mariners four to one, and then the Phillies beat the D-backs four to three. And on the Smith's floor coverings, games and events calendar tonight: Phillies at D-backs at three forty today. Rockies at Braves at seven twenty, and the Gnats at the Cheaters at 8 10 p.m and that's your smith's four coverings games and events calendar billy you ready for another cup of coffee yes i need yeah. i need one buddy me too. Yeah, <clears throat> me too i got a frog in my throat this morning i know Good lord you need i know coffee. i got a frog in my throat i woke up with it um let's hit up another cup of coffee brought to you by realtor hannah strong <clears throat> with robert goolsby real estate group uh coach white you got some wrestling news for us man what's what's going on in the wrestling world this summer yeah, absolutely. Uh, while most folks don't know what's going on, uh, you know, the United States of America is prepping their world team, trying to get them ready uh, to compete and uh, get it after some things uh, this summer. So they had the U.S. Open a few weeks ago. The winner of the U.S. Open is guaranteed a spot at what we call the Final X, which took place this past weekend. Uh, Greco-Roman freestyle and women's freestyle wrestling, all those spots were up. I'm not going to read through all of those. Uh, if, if you're a wrestling fan out there and you're mad that I don't read through the Greco results, get at me, dog. Uh, but they're just not as fun. Uh, but I'll get through some of the women that are on the U.S. team. They wrestled this weekend on flow. Uh, Sarah Hildebrandt at 50 kilograms. Uh, she she take both bouts. Uh, what they do, guys, it's a, it's a best two out of three, which I really like uh, because you really truly are getting the guy or girl uh, that that is the best at that weight. That's how I do my wrestle offs in my room as well. We don't we don't put it on one match because anything can happen in a match. So they go best two out of three uh, to see who makes our world team. So Hildebrandt at 50, Dom Parrish at 53. Jakara Winchester, she's probably one of the more flashy uh, ladies at 55. Uh, and this is, these are all kilograms, guys. The rest of the world works on those. We, we don't. Uh, 59 kilos, Jennifer Page, 62. Kayla Miracle, she's been on the team for a while. 65, Macy Kitty. 
68 Emma Brunsell actually with a, what I consider an upset over Baltimore Nor- uh, 72 is Amit Elor and at 76 kilos probably the biggest story from the women's side Adeline Gray who is the most decorated wrestler in U.S. wrestling history not in U.S. women's but in U.S. wrestling history just gave birth to like her third or fourth kid like six eight months ago uh, comes back in six to eight months after giving birth takes the spot at 76 kilos over probably one of the best girls in the world so kudos to her yeah um, you guys want some guys results yeah yeah, yeah go for it well uh, i hope you like the penn state nittany lions because they're well represented here uh at 57 kilograms you got zane richards uh this was probably the biggest surprise more than likely the biggest surprise on the men's side he takes out thomas gilman who was actually ranked number one in the world at that weight class but zane richards takes him out in two bouts Young man Vidal Erjal uh, over Nashawn uh, Garrett. 65 kilos is your first Nittany line. Nick Lee actually a little bit of an upset over Yanni Diakamahalis. Yes, I pronounced that correctly. Uh, 70 kilograms, another Nittany line. Zane Rutherford over Tyler Berger. 74 kilos, Kyle Dake uh, over Jason Offen. At 79, here's a name that you guys know, Jordan Burroughs, who may be the GOAT on the guys' side. He was upset by Chance Marsteller. Uh, this is the only... Uh, um, Jordan Burroughs. I mean, that's a name you guys have heard before. Correct? He was a Big Ten guy, right? He he was he's a Husker. Didn't he go to Nebraska? Yeah, he was a Nebraska yeah, former Husker. I thought sure I remember was. that name from uh, uh, two-time national champ. I, I I remember that name from because uh, yeah. on the Big Ten Network they always have the they have the the wrestling finals up there. And ever since the um the young guy from Ohio, uh, oh crap, I Kyle forget Schneider. that. I forget. Yes, Kyle Schneider. Ever since he sort of got big, I've. I've tried to follow Big Ten wrestling as much as I could. Well, it's by far and away the best conference. Uh, but yeah, he he was upset. That's you know, and again, he may be the goat in U.S. men's national history. Uh, so he was upset um, at 79 kilos. David Taylor, uh, Nittany Lion, beats another Nittany Lion for the spot at 86 kilos. Uh, 92 kilos, Ahid Valencia uh, over Mike Machiavello. 97, there's your boy Kyle Snyder. I was a little upset with this. The guy he was getting ready to wrestle, uh, Jaden Cox, really was going to be a great match. They've wrestled several times. Cox actually got hurt the day before. And at 125, if you don't know the name, you will. Gable Stevenson, he is the heavyweight. He comes out of retirement and just absolutely mops the floor. Olympic gold medal winner. So it's good to have him back in things. But guys, at the end of the day, uh, you know, good to have men's freestyle uh, wrestling in the middle of the summer. It gets us something to watch. And shameless plug, uh, you can't get into the camp even if you wanted to because it's been sold out. But this coming weekend, starting on Sunday, uh, Kelton Trojans are hosting the Penn State Nittany Lions, winners of 11 of the na- last 12 national titles in the NCAA. Guys, they're in the middle of a run, so definitely looking forward to hanging out with those guys. Hey, Coach, I, I, I didn't know Gable Stevenson came out of retirement to wrestle that, that he's part of the wwe he's he's yes he was on he was on wrestlemania i think this year or something like that, he, that he's a wwe guy yeah he's been uh, he's not really trained wrestling the last few months and said you know what i want to go ahead and try to go win another gold medal and just walked out there and absolutely mopped the floor with everybody <laughs> that's awesome that's he is a, a cheat code that's phenomenal. So this this is all this is all for what the the world the, the world wrestling thing. Yeah. So there's a world cup. Yeah. There's a world cup in wrestling, just like there is in soccer and everything else. And there's ten weights in this. And so uh, they'll go compete, I believe, in Serbia this year for the world cup. 
Uh, every four years, obviously, the world team is the Olympic team, but uh, the other three years, it's it's the World Cup, basically. So the Wrestling World Cup coming up in a couple of months. Sweet. We'll definitely tune in for that. Uh, I, I didn't even know that existed, but um, we will definitely uh, definitely tune in for that. I, I told Co- oh, I told Coach stuff. White wrestling is becoming one of my favorite sports to watch. Now that I sort of understand what's going on, and I'm not sitting there like an idiot, uh, it's, it's slowly becoming one of my favorite <laughs> sports to, to watch. Oh, it's great. Gotta love combat. Well, you, you think about you think about football. What what do football players do when they get pissed off at each other on the field? They fight. They fight. It's the same thing in <laughs> NHL. Same thing in basketball. Same thing in hockey. Like the most primal, instinctive sport is you know combat sports, MMA, wrestling, whatever whatever you have, and that's the, the most raw instinct a human has is the to fight. And you know, I I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying uh my newfound love for for wrestling um well first of all that's yeah. awesome like seriously like i, I love that, that that people are getting into it and second of all i appreciate you letting me talk about it a little Any, bit. anytime billy and i have said this for ever since we started this podcast like we feel like wrestling in, in west georgia is is one of the most elite pockets of wrestling that especially around the state and, and possibly around the country. Like we have some elite athletes here on the West side and they don't get nearly enough publicity uh, as they deserve. Like the, the amount of work that wrestlers put in to hone their craft is absurd. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And the fact that these kids don't get just shouted from the rooftop as much as some other sports, it's a disservice to the sport and to the kids that put in all the work they do and any chance we can get to pump up any of the wrestling programs, coaches, parents, uh, the wrestlers themselves in West Georgia, we're going to take every opportunity to do that. Well, and I know you guys truly believe that because I've watched you do it. Uh, and I, I know I, I absolutely appreciate it, but you know, at the same time, I've told my guys and you know, I told a parent the other day, uh, it's really kind of the last true blue collar working man's like nose to the grindstone, not worried about what anybody else is doing sports that are out there. And it will, that will slowly, you know, fade away as we enter in this era of, you know, NIL and social media and all these things that have to be done to upkeep a program. Uh, that will fade away because, you know, kids are going to need those shout outs. And we do the best we can, obviously, using you guys or, or whoever to, to you know, make sure that our guys get their uh, love. Obviously, we've got Jacob, who's number four in his weight class in the country. And, and obviously, we're, we're very thankful to have him with us um, doing what he's doing. So uh, we got some other guys coming down the pipe and, uh, you know, don't, we don't get too uh, caught up in rankings and this, that and the other. But uh, like you said, West Georgia, very talented. Bremen, one of the best programs all time in the state. You know, Central doing what they did last year. So, uh, you know, definitely, uh, definitely a good place to be as far as wrestling is concerned. Not get up, not get caught up in rankings, coach. It's, it's the off season for us. It's, it's what we do in the off season. You know, that's, that's all we do is get caught up in rankings. That, it gives us something to talk about in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Jacob, and we're going to do the uh, Carrollton uh, preview next Friday. Um, you want to talk about a, a scary linebacker? Uh, that's coming up and our defensive lineman you know it, it really depends on like i think his freshman year he was mostly linebacker and then last year he was on the dl like what's what's he going to be at this year coach yep <laughs> yes is the answer okay. uh, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's been a lot of, like i think a lot of it depends on who we play and when we play them and, and where everybody best fits together but you know you play a team like rome uh, or, or Douglas County, or somebody likes to go in the IE Spalding and run the football. 
he's going to be at linebacker and he's going to come downhill and you're not going to run a football a lot. But, you know, when we're playing some of these pass-heavy teams and, and some zone teams, uh, you put a guy up there that can move very quickly laterally and that's explosive and you put him at a position that knows where that's the fastest point from A to B, you know, the mesh point between the quarterback and the running back, and uh, he, he wreaks havoc right there. So, you know, he'll play where he needs to play uh, to best fit the team, um, you know, this fall. But he, he will get some some reps at both. But wouldn't be surprised to see him get a little bit more at linebacker this year. I'm excited to to, the, to preview the Carrollton Trojans. That's, a, that's next Friday. We have the Carrollton Trojan high school football preview. So I'm excited about that. Tomorrow we'll have uh, we'll have Bremen. Uh, so that'll be that'll be exciting as well. Billy. Uh, yesterday, you know, we talked about the Oakland A's and sort of their their woes. Uh, the athletic stadium deal wins final legislative approval in Nevada, so it looks like the A's moving to Las Vegas is imminent. Yeah, it's going to happen, and that'll be the third franchise that Las Vegas gets, and um, the only thing that's missing right now is an NBA franchise, which I'm sure will come. Um, you know, David Stern... Oh, Jesus. I just said David Stern. What? Is- De- definitely not David Stern. It's not David Stern. <laughs> anymore. Rest he was, in peace. I mean, he was good. Yeah, RIP. Yeah, RIP <laughs> David Stern. <laughs> what is the guy's name now? He, it's Adam you Silver. You know who he reminds me of? David Silver, yeah, yeah. You know who he reminds me of? And, and this is no joke. I know what he reminds me of, but I can't say it on the podcast. <laughs> yes, you can. I mean, it's our <laughs> podcast. You can say whatever you want. Um, but... <laughs> He reminds me, do you remember Men in Black? Do you remember the big, tall alien, bald oh, alien? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that met the dude with the uh, the world and in, in the uh, the eating place and handed it over to him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he good shout. Me of him. Good shout. Yeah, he does. He looks exactly like him. That's a, He looks like an alien. That's a, <laughs> that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Um, yeah, so it looks like uh, looks like the Oakland A's will be moving to Las Vegas. Uh, the Colts' Jonathan Taylor Thomas is seeking a new deal, but he is wary of how the NFL values running backs. And I think, honestly, this is a trend that I think is kind of coming back around. I think we went through a phase. Uh, you know, back in the 90s, everybody wanted a running back. If you didn't have a running back, you weren't a good team. And I think we went through a phase where running backs were super undervalued. And now we're coming back around, in my opinion, where the running back position is highly valued, but the running back that you plug into there isn't as valued as much as in the 90s because you wanted that premier primetime running back slot. Now you have to have three or four running backs because you run so many plays now in the NFL. You have to have three or four running backs so you can plug and play at any position at any time uh, to have fresh legs out there. So Jonathan Taylor Thomas, a little weary of how the NFL is valuing running backs trying to get his uh, new contract with the Indianapolis Colts. I'm surprised. Yeah. It's it's weird, unfortunately, for how the running back contracts have gone downhill, especially recently. Yep. Uh, Billy's guy, Trevor Bauer, faces another sexual assault allegation uh, from a lady that he is now countersuing. What is this, the third or fourth one that he's been accused of? Yeah, okay, I was wrong. I'll, I'll admit it. I'm, I'm man enough to say I'm wrong. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> the the details are all in the ESPN article. If you want to read them, we're not going to go through them. They're not, they're not great. Um, but yeah, accused uh, accused, accused once again. Uh, Michael Jordan's flu game sneakers auctioned off for one point three eight million dollars. Billy, see that's that's hard for Coach White because you know <clears throat> we're not going to explode disclose anything but that's kind of what Carrollton paced him a year um (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. If that's the case, I'm coming to work for Coach White as an assistant. (laughs) (laughs) Cat's out of the bag. uh, I've been driving around this this 2015 uh, Silverado just to throw people off. But, uh, you know, apparently to no avail. But you know what? I know you were big. Let me open another bag for you. Let me open another bag for you. Another reason, and it has nothing to do with basketball, that MJ is and always will be the GOAT of basketball. I'll go down swinging on that one because mine's Bill Russell. Never heard of her. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. I know that's not ago. part of the show, but did you really? Uh, I'm sorry I missed that. But yeah, I, I actually, I, I love the fact that the movie came out air. If you haven't seen it, it's, it's two thumbs up. It's a tremendous movie. Uh, brings back a lot of nostalgia, but Michael Jordan made Nike. Just know that. Like, there is no Nike without Michael Jordan. Uh, he made Nike. He personally stepped into that shoe, made Nike. Um, no other player has done for a private company through their athletic ability like Michael Jordan did for Nike. There's there's tons of basketball statistics that will obviously lean to his favor as far as being the GOAT. But like that in, in and of itself, uh, to me, changed athletics forever. Michael Jordan changed athletics forever, not just basketball. So uh, if you haven't seen it, great movie, seriously. Uh, but that just lends to credibility. $1.8 million for a pair of freaking tennis shoes. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to spend, like, 60 bucks on a pair of tennis shoes. Like, that's $1.38 million <laughs> for a pair of shoes. Like, yeah, hard hard pass for that. Uh, Billy, Greg Berhalter expects to remain as United States men's national team head coach after all the allegations went down with Claudia Reyna and, and, and Reyna's son and his wife and something that sounded like it was out of a 16U travel soccer team up in Dunwoody. Uh, I I don't know how the United States men national team can retain Greg Berhalter, but he seems wow. to think that he's going to be the head coach. No, there's there's zero chance this should happen. Yeah, I mean zero I, chance. It's dude, it's such a mess. It's it's an it's a mess. And it's an embarrassment it's to the embarrassing. United States. It is. The way that man, the United it's, States has been playing. It's embarrassing. It is horribly embarrassing. It th- this is a. This is a much longer rant for a much longer podcast that we don't have time for, but what the United States men's national team is doing is it's embarrassing the entire country. Um, and it's uh, it's it's frustrating, especially because I'm a huge fan of soccer. Like, it's it's so frustrating what they're doing, the way they're handling this. It's hey, breaking um, news. You're a big fan of soccer? Big soccer fan. Big, I like all sports, though. I You know, it's <laughs> I like every sport. I've never ran into a sport that I disliked. Uh, and Billy, today in 1928, the Philadelphia Athletics baseball star Ty Cobb steals home for a record 54th time. Jeez. <laughs> the Georgia Peach Ty Cobb. Uh, yeah, steals home. You know, one guy that we know, Shoeless Joe Jackson, wasn't a fan of. No. Ty Cobb. No. Uh, Billy, Coach, y'all got anything else to add on the podcast this morning? Yeah, real quick. Uh, I know Bert- Bryce loves when I do this. Uh, birthday shout out. Um, goes to <laughs> Miss Carol. Miss Carol um, over happy at birthday. Incredible Pulp. Yep, happy birthday to Miss Carol. We love you. Uh, we appreciate everything you guys do, uh, you and you and Steve. Um, but happy birthday, Miss Carol. Thirtieth birthday, I heard. Yep, thirtieth. Awesome. Congratulations, Miss Carol. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll shout out my wife. Then her birthday was uh, June thirteenth, and I wasn't on the podcast that day. So shout out birthdays. I uh, got to shout out the most important person. Nice. Her thirtieth birthday as well. I'm assuming. Uh, Twenty nine. Uh, Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, 
I love it. Well, thanks for young. <laughs> hey, <laughs> my wife actually just turned 32 in December. Legitimately, she just turned 30. Um, but for Coach Wife. To, wait, 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 legitimately, <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> Coach, Coach White, we know, we all know you graduated in like the 80s. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, some of us are a little bit more experienced in season than others. This is, this is a true statement. And this is why we know Michael Jordan's the greatest player to ever live. We watched hey, him play. Seasoned and why? Hey, that is true. I, I never watched Jordan play uh, live until his <laughs> until his later. But I never saw Bill Russell play either. But the dude won like 16 straight championships. So, you know, it, you, you play to win the game uh, in the yeah, immortal words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do. Um, but for Billy Lindahl, <laughs> for Coach White, I am Bryce Sparling. We will see you all tomorrow morning. Same time, same place. Shake it ever. Just shake up.